I came out as gay, you know, when was I? I, I probably 18, 19, you know, quite broadly. And it took me a very long time to be, you know, sort of comfortable with who I was. And I was just using alcohol as that crutch. And then I finally kicked the booze. If I tell someone that I don't drink, oh, I know. The, <laughs> the feedback that you get. If I come out as a non-drinker, no one, if what, if that's not true, it feels like no one is on yeah. your side. They say, yeah. oh, what a freak. No, they don't say that. But, you know, it's like, oh, are you taking antibiotics? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and yeah. you, you just feel like you're swimming completely upstream in yep. this, yep. you know, world of booze. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 122. If you're a new listener, then a big welcome to you. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss a thing. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. Many of those people discovered Tribe Sober via our workshops. And over the years, our workshops have evolved from in-person workshops to Zoom workshops. And now we've launched a brand new online version. It's perfect for people in tricky time zones or people who like to work through the content alone rather than in a group setting. The course is called Kickstart Your Sober Life. And it was launched just yesterday, the 5th of August It's going to be available for just six more days at a special launch price. So why not go to tribesober.com and take a look? It's right there on the homepage. And if you want more info about the content, then just have a listen to last week's podcast when I take you right through it. You can also get a PDF which is called 10 Steps to Kickstart Your Sober Life, which is simply a summary of the Kickstart course content. So just email me at Janice at tribesober.com and I'll send you one right away. And if you're listening to this way after the release date, then just go to tribesober.com and look for the Kickstart course. My guest this week is from Australia. He's the CEO of an organisation called Untoxicated, which is a registered charity. They are a thriving tribe of sober and sober curious people passionate about having a laugh, meeting new mates and smashing social norms along the way. In a nutshell, they teach people how to socialise without alcohol, which for many of us was a whole new skill set. I began by asking Andrew to introduce himself. Thank you so much for having me, Janet. Uh, So my name is Andrew Addy. I'm 35 years old, living in Sydney, Australia. And I run an organisation called Untoxicated, uh, which is a health promotion charity um, all across Australia um, that looks to change, um, help people change their relationship with alcohol and get back out into the world and socialise without booze. Fantastic. Fantastic. What a thought, eh? Socialising without booze. It is possible. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> T- took me a while to learn, actually. <laughs> it's a hard one. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Let's delve into your drinking years, shall, shall we, Andrew? When did it all start? Were you a teenage drinker? Oh, oh absolutely. You know, I think I had my first drink when I was about 12. Uh, so, you know, nicked some, stole some alcohol from my folks and that started a very long uh, <laughs> drinking career. Um, you know, uh, I turned 18, which is the you know drinking age here in Oz. And, you know, the prized gift, of course, was really expensive alcohol. 
Um, and, you know, that sort of just set me up um, really for, you know, a really strong dependence on it. Um, at the same time, I was, you know, uh, dealing with, you know, coming out as gay um, and a lot of, you know, the anxiety and depression that went along with that. I grew up in a, a, a regional um, town in Australia called Cairns in the far north, um, which is a little bit, you know, different to the city. Um, attitudes a little bit different as well. Um, and alcohol was just where I turned. It was just a, a completely a part of my life and, and me, you know. Yeah. yeah, it becomes part of our identity in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I've heard you explaining how you, you feel that you had to come out twice. I thought that, that was quite interesting. And I wanted to ask you if a lot of gay people do end up using alcohol to cope with that stress of, of coming out. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, in Australia, we we know actually we're really privileged that there has actually been research done in the LGBTIQA plus space, the rainbow community. Um, and we know that people are part of the community, binge drink probably 40% more than our heterosexual counterparts. And, you know, I, I'd say there's very clear connection to, you know, some of the marginalisation and the attitudes and, you know, the, the whole process of, you know, could be coming out, could be living in a place where you, you know, uh, you know, not a, not a very popular person because of, you know, who you are, unfortunately. And alcohol is definitely a part of the community. Alcohol and drugs, um, particularly from the, you know, gay male perspective. Um, you know, I live in a gay neighbourhood here in Oz, uh, here in Sydney, actually, uh, called Darlinghurst. Uh, and it, look, it's everywhere. Our bottle shops are painted in rainbows. Wow. Yeah. 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 So your job is going to be amongst all, all your other jobs is going to be to promote alcohol free living in the gay community. Absolutely. So, of course, Untoxicated takes it. You know, we're a broad church. You know, we, we don't turn anybody away unless, of course, they're intoxicated. <laughs> it's a little bit awkward. So, you know, everyone's welcome. Alcohol is just everywhere. It's, yeah. you know, if you want to go on a date, it's it's drinks. And, you know, if, if you're, you know, also drugs are also around as well. They're readily available everywhere, it feels like. Um, so, yeah, really looking to try and change that, hey. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, good for you. It's definitely um, uh, an area that need that needs looking at and needs needs mm. special attention. You know, from someone who's who's been through it all. So you, there you are. Yeah. You've come out twice. Which was the most uh, stressful and difficult? I came out as gay. You know, well, when was I? I, I? Probably eighteen, nineteen. You know, quite broadly. And it took me a very long time to be. You know, sort of comfortable with who I was and I was just using alcohol as that crutch and then I finally kicked the booze if I tell someone that I don't drink oh I know. The, <laughs> the feedback that you get if I come out as a non-drinker no one if what well, if that's not true it feels like no one is on yeah. your side they say yeah. oh what a freak no they don't say that but, you know, it's like, oh, are you taking antibiotics? What's wrong with you? You know, and <laughs> yeah. you, you just feel like you're swimming completely upstream in yeah, this, yeah. you know, world of booze. Like, yeah, we always say it's the only drug you have to justify not taking, you know, because if you say I've uh, kicked heroin, you know, they say, well, good on you, but I've yeah, stopped drinking. Absolutely. And, you know, if you were to write down all of the harm and uh, loss of you know, the, the, the cost of alcohol on a piece of paper, give it to someone. If you called it any other thing, if you said it was, you know, whatever, yeah, heroin, meth, people would say, oh, we've got to really do something about this. This is tearing the community apart. Yeah. We've, yeah. you know, call the prime minister. Um, but then you say it's alcohol and it's like, oh, just have another one. Yeah, I know. It's mad. Yeah, I'm just thinking. <laughs> have of, another of- drink. You'll be fine. I'm just thinking of your conversation when if you say to someone you just met, uh, you know, you're shutting away and you say, um, oh, well, you know, I'm gay. And they go, oh, OK. And then you say, no, I don't drink. They go, what? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've definitely had those situations, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a similar sort of thing. It's not the same, of course, but, you know, it's that similar thing where you get on the back foot and you become really defensive and, you know, then you're not being the person that you want to be because you're wasting all this time talking about booze and, you know, then it brings up all my stuff. And you're like, oh, gosh, how do we get here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we shouldn't have to make other people feel comfortable about 
their sexuality or their drinking habits, should we? It's not our yeah. job, really. We've, we've just got to get on with being authentic and, and being who we are. Oh, absolutely, you know, and it really um, speaks volumes to the sort of, it feels like control that alcohol yeah, yeah. has on the, on the community yeah. in, in people that you meet. And it's like, really? Like, come on. You know, you can't yeah. you can't go for like one night without having one yeah. drink. Yeah. That's the thing, you know, it's um I can you know, of course I was a problem drinker. Um, but there's people that will go out and just have a drink for the sake of it. And it's like, well, you don't need to do that. You don't need to have two drinks with dinner. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. you can enjoy a steak without a red wine, I promise. Yeah, it's yeah, I mean, it starts off as a habit and then it just gets a grip on some of us, you know, not not yeah. everybody. Some people can not drink everyone. normally, but, you know, many, many of us can't. And I, I love the way you describe it as a cult because I've had that oh. thought as well. You know, when we get sober, we see things so differently, don't we? Oh. And I look around, Absolutely. you know, everybody here, because we've got a culture just like you in Australia, drinking culture sure. and the UK where I'm from originally. And you mm-hmm. look around at everybody and sometimes I think, I feel like I'm in a science fiction movie, you know, and they've all been kind <laughs> of, you know, like the body snatchers. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You you know, you um, it feels like you've busted out of the, you know, the barn or wherever you've been like, kept and hypnotized and you know you've run and you've made it to the city and you know you get to the city and you run to the cops and the cops are drinking (laughs) and you're like oh oh dear what have I done (laughs) everyone's in the cult (laughs) exactly the combination so you've got big alcohol obviously you don't want to make their fortunes and then you've Uh, got you know all the millions that they pump into the marketing so that brainwashes us from from a very early age and then of course you've got governments taking money from big liquor you know to uh to keep the whole thing moving keep the whole machine working it is it's it's such a well-oiled machine isn't it yeah and you know you think we're coming up to you know end of year you think about um the control it has over workplaces and gift giving you know, workplaces rewarding their staff with booze. I know. You I know, know, it's like this is it's it's chaos. I know. <laughs> you know? When, when I was in corporates, you know, I used to work really hard, really long hours, but then I used yeah. to play really hard, and the yeah. the companies uh, promote that, don't they? They encourage that. You know, we'd have at least one night a week out with colleagues, all getting wasted. You know, staggering yeah. in the next day, saying how fragile we felt, and and if you yeah. weren't part of that gang you know you were considered just a little bit boring <laughs> absolutely i feel like the only the only free pass is um women that are pregnant <laughs> you know? and even as a woman like, you can't be pregnant all the time <laughs> no exactly you know there's the antibiotics you know sort of excuse but that's just like oh, okay i'll see you in a week then we'll go and get a drink you yeah. know it's yeah. just everywhere yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I've had people, um, you know, I guess they were mostly my my old drinking buddies and they'd say, oh, you know, let's do this on such and such. And I'd say, well, I'm still not drinking, you know, and they say, oh, you're still doing that non-drinking thing. You say, well, let's make a date for when it's over. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. and I found it really useful um, in, in that journey to really just get on the front foot, you know, yeah. and just sort of say, I don't drink anymore. Yeah, and, and you do you get know, more, more confident yeah. as you get more. I mean, you're about two years now, are you? Yeah, over two years. Yeah. yeah. And what, yeah. what do you say? So you, you would bring that up in the conversation before other people raise it these days. How, how do you handle these it? Days, these days, well, I make that I make a, that joke, you know, how can you tell if someone's sober? Don't worry, they'll tell you. And <laughs> That sort of sticks with me, you know. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm just going to pull the Band-Aid, I'm going to get it out of the way, Yeah. you know, and it, it sort of um, it kind of empowers me if I sort of take charge, yeah. I think, and sort of get the word out, you know, tell people in advance if I can, you know, um, particularly, you know, this Christmas party season we're in at the moment, you know, I reach out to people that are organising things and say, look, I do not drink, Um you know, it depends on the language that I use, how comfortable I feel, and my language changes all the time. Sometimes I do say I'm sober. Sometimes I say I don't drink. Sometimes I say I'm an alcoholic. You need mm. to keep the booze away yeah. from me. That, um, that usually it, works, it doesn't it? <laughs> that one is very effective, um, but it's also terrifying for people to hear, yeah. um, especially if, you know, 
there's people hosting parties that are revolving around booze and pointing fingers at people um, <laughs> doesn't win you any friends either. The whole language needs to change, doesn't it, Andrew? Because society sees us as either a normal drinker or a raging alcoholic. I mean, there's there's nothing in between. <laughs> and that's yeah, why, you that's know, right. what you're doing, what I'm doing, we're, we're trying to reach out to those people, you know, that aren't homeless on the park bench because they're, they're the yeah. minority, the real alcoholics. Oh, There's absolutely. so many grey area drinkers and people whose dependence right. is getting worse That's year right. after year. So let's you know, let's go back to the, your drinking yeah. career. You're not getting off the hook quite so lightly. Um, when you were in your 20s, <laughs> how, how, did it, <laughs> how did it develop then? And, and were you worried about so it? When, when did you get worried? You know, this is such a great question. I was, I, you know, I reflect on my drink a lot. Obviously, I talk about it all the time. You know, I was um, in my 20s um, drinking, binge drinking. You know, I was really solidly binge drinking. Weekends, just wildly out of control. Pretty much couldn't remember what happened on the weekends. It just, I'd either be asleep or wasted. And then it slowly, it started to creep. The older I got, it crept, you know. Creep, creep, creep. Um, I had a, quite a rough uh, breakup, and you know that really you sort of messed me up. Um, you know, just in a normal like you know breakups are a very normal part of life, of course. Um, but you know, I just didn't have the skills. You combine that with the anxiety and depression that I had. Um, you know, uh, you know both. You know, I've got it's in my genes, um, and also you know this the stuff that I've experienced when I was younger. You know, coming out and that sort of you know associated traumas. I guess um, it was the perfect storm for me to really start taking my drinking very seriously. You know, obviously in a very bad way. Um, I hit my thirties, and you know, working stressful jobs, and it just the only escape that I had was booze. And, you know, so unhealthy, you know, for my brain and body, you know, everything. And, you know, I'm not a health nut. I'm not a, um, you know, I'm not spiritual. Um, but, you know, I feel everything um, with, with booze to escape, just yeah. escape. That is and were, you, were you a functioning alcoholic? Did you manage to, you know, maintain oh, yeah. a job and not get fired? Oh. Or, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I kept it all together. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got the chat. Yeah, we do, don't we? I could, I, could, <laughs> I could spin a million different stories to make up for all my shortcomings, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily I've got confidence beyond my looks and abilities because <laughs> I could just, woo, you know, I was really, you know, just out of control, just lies upon lies upon lies. And, you know, then you lie so much that you believe that it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and you know some of the things that I was saying I, I, I believed were true when of course they weren't and yeah. you know there was things that I was in denial about but of course about how much I was drinking um, and if someone ever challenged me on how much I was drinking I'd just not be friends with them anymore or take a break from them and yeah. say oh yeah I'm taking a break from drinking so and I'll just go find other people to drink with you know <laughs> and so that really sneaky sort of behavior yeah and the yeah, behavior that I I reflect it. I reflect on it now, and I'm just like far out. You know, I'd have someone to drink with every night of the week. Yeah, you know? yeah. And sometimes in the afternoon, it's finished yeah. work. So, yeah. what are you doing? Let's go drink. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So, did you try to cut down? Did you have rules? Oh. Did you go through all that? Oh nonsense? yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, the lies that I would feed myself. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you do a month off. I do I did a month off, you know, I did a month. And I have never bounced back harder, you know. Yeah. Um I didn't do anything to reflect on my you know, my behavior and my behaviors about um drinking. Did no mental health work um at, at all. Um just just sat at home yeah. just like frumpy and angry and itchy <laughs> and, you know, just wanted to be out and drinking and w complaining to everybody. I was just like, oh, this is torture. I hate it. Yeah. You know, um, and when I finished the 30 days, whew, yeah, me too. wasn't that a 
dry January every year, but completely oh. white knuckling it, you know, not uh, yeah. not using a, a different mindset at all, which no. is obviously the essential to keep, thing to keep yeah. it going. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's so harmful, you know, these these dry January campaigns, because um, if you do what you just talked about what I used to do every January, your subconscious just kind of absorbs, oh, well, this is a pretty miserable thing, this sobriety, isn't it? So it fights back because it is miserable. And, you know, unless you keep going, and then in a month, you don't really feel many benefits of sobriety. You just feel it's just the hard bit. So all you're doing is that difficult bit over and over again. But if you can just keep going for two months even, then things start changing and improving. And then if you do realize that you actually feel better and a bit calmer and happier, then you can keep going and it gets easier. So uh, That's right. I think it's a shame that that people do this month off. I mean, I was exactly the same. And, wow, February was wild, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And, that, you know, I bank up that the credit from it. I bank up, I banked up that month. Yeah. And then, you know, I think I did the month when I was 20, gosh, 25, it's almost 10 years ago. Um, and I banked that up. And I, years later, was reflecting. I was like, oh, I did, a, I did a month recently. It was not recently. <laughs> 10 years, <laughs> it was years ago. And then, you know, it, it became smaller. I was doing, you know, I won't drink on Saturday, you know. The rules, uh, or yeah. you know, and it just got smaller and smaller, and that um, you know I wouldn't drink certain drinks, you know, and yeah. this is this is all very you know, the classic stuff that of course classic. you know you be aware of, you know, it's like oh it's ice with wine, oh yeah. I'm only drinking um, two bottles, <laughs> not four, yeah, but of course you, I'd be slapping off to the bottle shop, you know, probably wouldn't even remember, you yeah. know, gosh, yeah. some, some of the poor people that ran bottle shops around where I live. <laughs> And of course, we we have those rules, don't we, Andrew? Because we can't bear the thought of having to give up this stuff completely. So what we're trying to do is uh, control it. And we try all these different ways. But once we've crossed a line with our drinking, it's hopeless. You just need to ditch ditch the bloody stuff and move on, don't you? That's right. And, you know, I remember thinking, um, you know, I'd finally, you know, got my mental health was just plummeting, you know, and, you know, I seriously thought that I needed alcohol to sleep, you know, I needed it to cope, um, you know, all of that. But, you know, I finally reached out and um, yeah. got some help. So know, tell got, us about that. When yeah. when was the moment that you thought, because for me it was after a, a very serious kind of blackout when I lost a whole day basically, and then I woke yeah. up the next morning, I thought, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. Did you have yeah. that kind of moment? Well, gosh, not, probably not a specific. Of course, there were days where I would wake up, just be so ridiculously hungover that I'd either miss a day completely, like sleeping um, or just in bed, or I would just wake up and immediately start drinking. You know, oh, it's hair of the dog, you know. <laughs> I'd, I'd get, get home at whatever time, wake up at one and convince someone to go to the pub, you know. So I wouldn't say that there was a specific moment um, but you know, gosh, I'm over probably a thousand <laughs> incidences where I was disgusted in my behaviour. That shame that comes with you know yeah, after yeah. being out of drinking, you don't really know what's happened. You know, people call it the fear. Um, you know, combining all those things together, you know, I, I reached out. I got uh, help from you know a psychologist. This was actually a very long time ago. They said, was, you need to stop drinking. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't need to do that. Yeah, I can a- anything. It. Tell me anything, but don't make me do <laughs> I that. I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, you know, did, did, you know, started, you know, and obviously psychologists know exactly what they're doing, scratch the surface, and I came undone. Uh, and, you know, started, you know, all the stuff that I needed to deal with with my mental health and anxiety and that sort of stuff, um, you know, started very long sort of process um with the psychologist it, it was just the the most consistent thing was you know you need to stop drinking but uh tried every single other thing you know eventually ended up on you know antidepressants um which were fantastic like you know i'm fully you know on board with you know medications if you need them um but then i moved and a lot more stressful things happened drinking 
once again exploded out of control, wildly out of control. <laughs> was what, three years ago now was probably the worst. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds to me like you were kind of worried and very aware of your issue for a few years, you know, but it was just a matter, wasn't it, of working out how, because a lot of people get stuck. And I don't know if you saw that um, survey by The Tempest recently, a US um, kind of sobriety group about they, yeah. they'd interviewed 250 people in recovery and they asked them, how long was it between when you knew that you had a problem and when you actually reached out and did something about it? And the average is 11 years. Yeah. And I remember yeah. feeling quite shocked. But then when I thought back to my own situation, I spent 10 years trying to moderate, you know, with the rules and all that. Yeah. So that was my contemplation period. So it's quite interesting, isn't yeah. it, that it takes us so long. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, that number's about right for me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I no. haven't met anyone that said, oh, no, you know, I, I knew I had no. a problem. Next week I fixed it. It takes us a long time because this stuff has got such a grip on us. We can't imagine our yeah. life without it. Because uh, we're in the I cult. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was in the cult. I was the, I was the leader of the cult. <laughs> I um, was number two. <laughs> <laughs> I was your deputy. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I think that, you know, we're franchised across <laughs> the world. You know, talking about you know where did I where did I start? Um, I the, you know the really lucky that I had access to. Um, I'd had a mental health episode actually, um, and I was you know in a really really bad place, like you know not far off being committed um, to to the hospital. I was in an emergency, um, and you know just all the do- all the doors fell closed, and I was like, okay, I'm in a lot of strife here. I've got to you know, get some help. Went to um, the hospital and they were like, uh, when you present, you know, as a white man to a crisis service, they're kind of like, and, you know, appearing as well-educated. and you can It was check your privilege. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they were like, what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, go sort it out. You know, you're, you're not in trouble. Like, how can you be in trouble? You know, you're, you're a rich white person. I didn't really have a great experience when I was probably at the lowest point in my life with, you know, the medical professionals. And I was like, okay, well, that didn't go very well. But, you know, I worked it out a little bit and I felt a bit better and I was like, okay. Um, But I, you know, went and saw a GP almost by luck, almost by luck, Janet. And they said, oh, oh, well, I know this program that, you know, you can do. It's not, it's not related to mental health. It's actually for alcohol, you know, because I'd spoken about, you know, the problem with alcohol, you know. I don't think I was calling it a problem at the time. I was just like, oh, I drink a lot. And, you know, obviously doctors, you know, take whatever you say that you drink and times it by three. So, you know, they knew that I had a big problem there. You know, I did a really planned, really with this GP that just just clocked me and was like we're gonna you know put you through this program we're gonna detox you um but we're only gonna do it when you're ready and he gave me time he said you know you go and think about this um think about you know the effort you want to put in you've got to commit to this um you know we're going to use some medications and that take that approach and i was like you know i went away and my metals dipped again i was like okay um, i feel pretty rubbish I've got to, you know, turn this ship around <laughs> somehow. And, you know, he was really throwing me a life raft, you know, absolutely. And, you know, put everything I had into it. I, you know, I couldn't think about much at the time because my materials are so bad. Um, yeah. Did home home detox. We, they do a really great home detox, um, the people that do, called this Clean Slate Clinic. Took the Valium, you know, was taking a medication that made the effects of alcohol useless and, you know, under the direction of my GP, of course, it got to one week and I hadn't had anything to drink. And then it got to a month and I didn't have anything to drink. Then, Janet, like you say, got to, got past that two month mark, got to, you know, about three months. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I feel okay. <laughs> I don't feel dreadful all the time. I feel okay sometimes, and you know that was a real breakthrough. You know, it that, wasn't that like that was an big, improvement. Yeah, it wasn't like a you know 
Um, a lot of people, you know, that I've spoken to, and I'm sure you've spoken to, it's not it's not an immediate thing. You don't wake up one day and just everything's amazing. Life's still hard. Yeah, yeah. But you can just <laughs> about is, cope with it when you're when you you're can just about cope. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, got to six months and then, you know, that's when um I, you know, I was doing all those things that you do when you stop stop drinking, you know, you exercising every day and you know, you sort of loosely you know, moving your addiction around to other things for a while and you're like, okay, that's really actually quite not helpful <laughs> um, either. You know, some of the behaviours that I was, you know, exercising, I was over-exercising um, as well. But, you know, that, you know, the exercise was good from, you know, that mental health perspective. Um, eventually, you know, weaned off. Um, I was taking antidepressants as well. Um, so sort of weaned down on those to a lower dose, um, you know, just sort of, you know, trying and testing things. Um, and all the while, you know, I had a really great psychologist as well that, you know, was really, really great with, you know, uh, helping me through, you know, the mental health stuff that I was going through, particularly around, you know, my sexuality. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. the, the headline. Yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of work. And that work still continues, you know, that work's yeah. still happening. Fantastic. Yeah. I always say to people that if you want to do this, you've got to throw the book at it, really. You know, there's no point yeah. trying half-heartedly. It's no point fiddling around. You just go for it. And, you, yeah. you know, if you put a few months hard work, like six months, like you did, like yeah. I did, then, then you know, you can make it. But from your story you there, I was interested on a couple of things, particularly um, your GP sounds amazing, you know, because uh, here and in the UK, you know, from what I've heard and my personal experience, actually, you go to your doctor and you kind of pour your heart out a little bit about the drinking and they just say, well, you must drink less. You know, the the low risk limits are, I mean, in the UK, they're a bottle and a half of wine a week. <laughs> I mean, I used to drink that a night at least. So oh, yeah. they just say, well, keep to the low risk limits. They don't actually say you've got to give up this stuff because you're dependent. So I think yeah. you were you were so lucky, you know, and well done to oh. your doctor and your psychologist yeah. for all that support. Um, the other thing more. I wanted to ask you about that is, did you not look around for a sobriety group? Because don't, don't you have, uh, is it Good Morning Sunday over there? I mean, that's that's massive, isn't it? Had you not? Oh, hello, Sunday morning. That's yes. the one, yeah. Yes, Janet. So that, so, but that is actually um, an online resources and community. Okay. So they have a really fantastic um, app, which is called Daybreak. Okay. And you know, you you create a login um, and you go on and you, you can sort of talk about your experiences. God, that's a really great point. Thanks for bringing that up, Jenna. And I use that. I use that so oh, okay. often. And you go and I'd use it as like a um, dolly diary. You'd call. You'd write in with like, okay, I'm 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 going to a wedding, um, and I'm freaking out. Uh, what you know? Has anyone got any tips yeah. and stuff like that? And you know, you'd also just like post updates on like how you're going and how you're feeling and. You know, you could put a sad face emoji or a stormy emoji and that sort of stuff. And then there was that really nice community online yeah. support. But how, however, you know, I was just so done with sitting at home. Yeah, you, <laughs> you wanted know, the I physical was, contact. Because we were, yeah. when you got sober, weren't we um, going into the pandemic? August 2019 was when I stopped. Um, so there was a little bit of little bit of time before the yeah, window. About nine yeah. months or so. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had um the opportunity, you know, to get out there. However, you know, Untoxicated um came along, which is a really big focus on, you know, in person events. Yeah. So um, that's where you differ you know, we do, from we do. Hello Sunday morning. That's right. Yeah, okay. that's right. And you know, Hello Sunday morning is a fantastic organization. You know, we sit alongside them, of sure. course. You know, sure. you know, the online stuff is is really important. Definitely, you know, and yeah. I certainly benefited from myself. For myself, you know, intoxicated came along into my life. I went along to an event. I said, "Oh, it's pretty weird that you know this event is at a pub." And then I got there, and uh, you know, I was nervous, and anxious, and sweaty, and I, I, I don't know if I felt like drinking, but you know, it was that sort of like that panic came up um, within me um, about you know when you try something new and you've got no safety blanket. And walked in and then, you know, it was just 20, 20 people that we didn't have much in common except for, you know, yeah. we weren't drinking. And that was 
it, it seriously, I really, that moment was just huge for me. I was like, look at all these people yeah. that want to connect. Um, yeah. they're, they're social like me um, and they don't drink like me. You know, that was the, <laughs> the thing I'd found. I'd found my tiny new little cult, yes. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. and what a relief, you know, within five minutes, you know, it, people do, you know, might talk about their drinking experience and some people just not interested at all and that's fine, but uh, off you go. Yeah, you know, yeah, you've just yeah. All these people that you just have this magic sort of connection with. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we were talking about that, weren't we, before we pressed um, record? But yeah, the I yeah. think uh, connection is the opposite of addiction because Absolutely. even if we're only disconnected with ourselves, there's, there's definitely a disconnect, isn't there, when we're drinking yeah. too much because we're we're forming a relationship with alcohol. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and you know, gosh, it's killing me. You know, but I got all my medical stuff checked before I went into um, detox rehab, and my liver was, you know, fun- it was a function of, you know, I think it was a forty-four-year-old. I was on early grave, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you think about, <laughs> was- if you'd carried on drinking like that, Andrew, you wouldn't probably have made it past fifty, and it would have no. been a, a rather miserable demise, I think, isn't it? There's, there's Absolutely. nothing worse than, you know, <laughs> than dying through this pretty. thing. That demise is not pretty at all. You've mentioned your mental health a few times. I wanted to ask you how it's improved now that you're not a drinker because it's ironic, isn't it? We drink when we're socially anxious and when we're a bit down and it actually is has the opposite effect, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I thought that alcohol was a good thing. Yeah, I thought it was a good too. thing to have in my life. I thought it was a magic and, potion. Ah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, it's really important to acknowledge that, like, stopping drinking doesn't fix everything. No. It, it doesn't. You know, um, and I've had to put in a lot of work. And you know, of course, you know, we've had really traumatic stuff happen in the world. You know, lockdowns yeah. are hard, yeah. especially for social people. Yeah. You know, like like me and you know you probably it was a difficult experience. You know, I had the skills to get through it. I did the reflection on where I'd be if I was drinking and we went into a pandemic. Yeah. And I don't even, I barely want to think about it. You know, I worry that, you know, gosh, I might have drunk myself to death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was just, you know, because that was a really low point in all of our lives. You know, lockdowns yeah. were, were difficult. I had the skills, you know, I had those skills, those things that I put together with my psychologist and GP and things that you learn. You know, when you're yeah. sober, it turns out you read a lot <laughs> and you listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, having that, um, uh, what's it called, like gumption almost to, you know, get through things and cope, yeah, cope better, yeah. you yeah. know. But I will say when we're not in lockdown, when I can go to the beach, you know, when I can go for a big long swim, which is definitely my happy place my mental health you know just infinitely better you know infinitely yeah and most importantly I've got the skills to deal with yeah life when bad things happen yeah yeah I mean when those of us that go through recovery you know we we learn such a lot don't we about life about ourselves and I don't know if you're familiar with Russell Brand Uh, do you know Russell Brand yeah, yeah, yeah 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 I don't know if you've read his book. I think he's brought out a book uh, a while ago uh, relating life to the 12 steps, you know, and saying how the this program is actually a coping mechanism for life. And uh, I thought that was such a good point that he made. And he always oh, yeah. says that those of us that have had dependence issues, you know, in a way we're the lucky ones because we've been forced to the wall and we've had to rediscover who we really are and what we want out yeah. of life. And we, we've changed our life in a way that normal drinkers never get to be. So I like that, that, that take. It makes me feel superior. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just I a mean, little bit smug. We're the lucky ones. <laughs> when you, when you like, it's it's so true. When you get sober, you you're completely rebranding yourself. Yeah, yeah you know, you, and yeah. you go back and you you rediscover things that you don't, you never did. You know, when yeah. you when you when I was pissed all the time. You know, I discovered myself and I do things that I love now, and I do things by myself happily, and you know, not dependent and. Feels good. 
Yeah, we, <laughs> we get really in touch, good. don't we, with um, uh, what gives us a natural high because we, yeah. have, we have time on our hands and we have to explore <laughs> that. Don't we, uh, Janet? I started doing, um, you know, competitive um, long-distance swimming. I'm not very good at it, but I love it. And, you know, for me, finishing a race is just such a huge achievement, you know. I, I'm just like this is something that I never would have done ever no. if I was drinking. He would have and every time I finish a race, <laughs> yep, every time I finish a race, it's just a, another, like, reinforcement that yeah. I've made this fantastic decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it sounds like you're really thriving, as, as we say, in your alcohol-free life. Um, <laughs> I wanted to share with you when, when I was going through my first year of sobriety, I mean, I started off quite uh, upbeat because I thought, wow, you know, this isn't that difficult. And I'm finally doing something about this this problem that's plagued me for decades. So I was quite kind of upbeat, although it was hard, obviously. But then when I got to about six months, I really got depressed, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, I am a bit bored, actually, because I, I was very brave. You know, I carried on hanging out with my drinking buddies, you know, and yeah. taking all the, the teasing and the laughing at me. And I would kind of leave early. And I just started feeling, well, you know, I'm not sure I, I like this sobriety place. It's all a bit boring, you know, and grey and I'm, I'm losing my buddies because they all think I'm a drag these days. I just wanted to ask you if you went through that phase. Uh, Janet, almost word for word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was the same, you know, a, a incredibly social thought that I could just continue. I could just yeah. continue in the same social circles and I could just, you know, get through white knuckling, you know, you white knuckle I was for the first week, month, three months, and then things started changing. And I was like, you know what, I don't want to sit around at a pub anymore. Yeah. But then you realise you've got no sober friends. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do? I can't just do things by myself. I was doing a lot by myself, you know. I was discover rediscovering myself. I was going through this huge rebrand process, but there was a real hole in my life. And, you know, I haven't cut off my drinking friends either. You know, you hang out less or you change the relationship with them. You go to brunch instead of boozy Friday nights, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have any sober friends. I was like, well, what, how do I, where do I start? What do I do? You know, and then, and then, then that was another hurdle. There's, there's hurdles that, you know, yeah. you, I'm sure you've heard, heard other people in recovery um, and discovery um, that go through. And they're all very similar. You know, you want to connect with people that are like you. That's a normal human condition. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the way that I got myself out of that was, I mean, I found, I found that my clarity of thought was a lot better and I felt very creative, you know, and, and I started having all these ideas. I'd, I'd be out exercising and I'd have to keep stopping and writing the ideas in my phone, you know, in case I <laughs> forgot. And one of those ideas was to start a sober community. So I had this big, you know, idea to start Tribe Sober. And then I had to break that idea into small goals, you know, like, how to do yeah. a website, how to do marketing. You know, my background is HR. I know nothing. I knew nothing about marketing, etc. You know, I made a project plan and then I started working towards that plan, that big plan. Mm -hmm. And every step that I took, you know, I felt I could feel my happy brain chemicals triggered and I felt happier and I felt like mm -hmm. I was doing something interesting and worthwhile. And that completely changed mm -hmm. my mood. And then of course I, you know, I started these things and I met other people that were like me you know they either yeah. needed to stop or they had stopped and for me you know tribe sober has been my saving grace and made me um, yeah. you know realize how, how awesome it is to to help other people as well just like you're uh, doing you know what a what a fantastic way to spend your time you yeah. know yeah um it's it, you know i go back to that first meetup that i went to and the, the look on the look on people's faces, you know, and the look that I see when I host events here in Sydney and all the other hosts share the same thing. When you, when people see you and there's just this smile and, you know, it's just, it's like they're like, oh, there is a community. 
you yeah, know, there's a there is something on the other side. There is something you know, on the we've other almost side. Got, we've almost got a duty, I think, to keep sharing our stories and trying to inspire people because oh. otherwise they'll just like we've been through a phase of they'll, they'll just think, well, surprise, these are dreadful plates. You know, I don't want to live yeah. there. I want to to carry on partying. So, yeah. so I often say to people, you know, thinking back to my tribe sober experience, if you are in early sobriety and you're feeling, you know, fragile and miserable and not sure you want to stay there, you know, just keep going because and find a project, you know, even if it's yeah. if it's learning a new language or there's so many amazing courses online these days, you know, learn something, start writing, you know, write yeah. a, do a blog, just have it's, a project and then yeah. you'll get positive feedback you know internally from that and you'll you'll find it easier to stay on track yeah and you know similar advice on my end it's it's like goal setting yeah set set an outrageous goal and then before you know it you've achieved you've kicked that amazing goal you've achieved it and then then you run out of goals to set (laughs) <laughs> you know and then you get I don't know about you Janet but I get quite stressed about not having something to sort of work towards you know I've got to keep things on the go oh, you know, I don't I just, think um, I'll ever get to that stage I've got so many lists <laughs> around my office you know lists of things to do that I never quite well, that's get good. to <laughs> I know that's good is. that's that's good that's healthy yeah. to you yeah. know to, for example you know and you know what am I you know what over two years and I still you know tomorrow I will graduate as a lifesaver <laughs> you know, oh, a volunteer fantastic. lifesaver. Yeah. You know, well, you are, you are a lifesaver, Andrew, in more ways than one, don't you think? <laughs> uh, <well. laughs> I think you were talking about rewards. So let now? me just ask you to summarize quickly the benefits okay. of sobriety. Uh, endless. Where do I start? You feel good. You feel fit. You wake up in the morning not dreading things. You, I jump out of bed. I look forward to having a good time on the weekends. And that sounds like something I would used to say when I drank, but now I really mean it. I love the weekends so much more, particularly Sunday morning. And my mental health, you know, gosh, I'm not cured, you know. I've, you know, I've accepted the fact that my mental health is going to fluctuate through my life. Um, but, you know, with this space that I've created by being sober, I'm so much better equipped to tackle those problems when they rise. 10 out of 10 sobriety is the way sobriety rocks (laughs) sobriety is a superpower because i think if you if you can do this you feel like you can do almost anything really anything because it's so hard yeah that is you know something that i will say you know something that i thought was absolutely impossible but you know i achieved it yeah yeah Well, well, well done you. If there's someone listening to this, Andrew, that's thinking, huh, well, it's all right for those two, but I just don't know how, where to start on this journey. Any tips for them? Yeah, I would say, you know, my path was quite, um, you know, medicalized, I would say, Um, but there's so many different options out there, you know, especially if you don't know where you fit on that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Janet, you're either someone that drinks, you know, here and there, um, to someone that is a raging alcoholic, you know, and sleeping on the park bench. If you don't know where you fit, um, you know, reach out. There are organisations out there. You might have to look. You might have to start them yourself. Um, but there are people out there that are like yeah. you that want to be on the same journey as you. It can be social things. Um, of course, there's, you know, things like Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, your general practitioner, your psychologist, your counsellor. Have a conversation get it started, get that ball rolling, yeah. tell someone. Get you know, it started, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Start yeah. anywhere, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and find your people, you know. I mean, yeah. that we're so blessed these days, aren't we? There's so much more than AA. You know, when I got sober oh. seven years ago, uh, I didn't know what to do. I mean, here in South Africa, there was nothing. So I went to AA, you know, we, and my yeah. local meeting, you know, that there, there were pretty much the people there that had lost everything, sleeping on the bench, etc. So yeah. I listened to their stories and I thought, well, I'm not like that. I'm fine. <laughs> so yeah. I carried on drinking That's for right. a bit. But you have to find your people. You know, you have to find, yeah. I had to find people like me, you know, women with good jobs, nice families that were knocking back, you know, a bottle of wine every night and knew that that was going to scrap their health eventually. Yeah. And once I found my people, I could do it. So I, I also yeah. say to people, just 
get googling get looking and try yeah. different things and you'll you'll find your people Absolutely. so on on a positive note i mean we we've, we've both talked about the cult and i'm i'm so with you on that <laughs> like me I, I said it was a science fiction movie that i lived in these days yeah but yeah. on the positive note, I do feel that there's a bit of a societal shift, don't you? I mean, there's so many sobriety groups around, so many alcohol-free drinks, and there's even a sober magazine. Did you see that? Did you look at that link? Yeah. Thing? She's yeah. amazing, that woman. You, you've got to talk to her for intoxicated. She's Yeah, yeah. She's a like a marketing guru. She's even had a background in the the drinks industry. She's just full of energy and commitment. And her goal is to make sobriety as glamorous and cool as we used to think drinking was. And she thinks that we deserve our own magazine, you know, like like Vogue or something. Yeah. She's she's glamorizing yeah. sobriety, and I think that's brilliant. She is rebranding it. You know, you, you talked about yeah. we rebrand ourselves. Yeah. Well, she's rebranding, you know, big time. And this, she's based it. in Madrid. This magazine is international. So, uh, you know, make sure she uh, she writes about yeah. intoxicated. She would she would yeah. love to meet you. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, what? Go back to my question. I was saying I do feel there's a bit of a shift, don't you? Because I've been in this space for seven years and it was yeah. a bit grim. There was nobody else, <laughs> basically, to start with. But... Now, I feel yeah. it's gaining a bit of momentum. Absolutely. Um, organizations, they're, they're always homegrown. They're, they're always that grassroots approach. And, yeah. you know, they've gotten, they've built momentum, they've built structure. You know, some of them have been really lucky to get funding or sponsorship. And, you know, there was just such a slowly but surely, you know, we're emerging. Yeah. You know, we're coming out. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> we're coming out again in my instance. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're getting on that front foot and, you know, we're, we're taking our space in society. It's okay not to drink, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and it's really important that, you know, we keep getting that word out. Yeah, yeah. And I, I always say to people, you know, we're the rebels these days. <laughs> I started drinking I feel... when I was 15 because I wanted to be a rebel. And now, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm still a rebel, I but feel... I'm not drinking. Absolutely. I feel so radical. I feel yeah, the most too. radical of my life now than ever <laughs> yes. before. And like sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling like, you know, a little bit combative at a party, like, oh, I will drop in, you know. I have yeah. I used to have a drinking problem. You know, <laughs> what alcohol free drinks do you have? And I'll say it at functions and I'll say it at events and I'll say it in the workplace and really just get on that front foot and just poke some ribs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're just a bit edgy, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. We're rad. <laughs> we are the we're the rebels, not the sheep, you see. That's it. <laughs> so let's finish off, Andrew, by talking a little bit about Untoxicated. And wasn't it run by a lady called Faye? And yeah, yeah, you that's came right. in so to work with her. Just talk to us about how that happened and, and where you sure. see Untoxicated going. I mean, you're the CEO now. So what what are your yeah, goals? That's it. So it was founded by Faye Lawrence, um, a fantastic, you know, outgoing CEO. Has that really the lived experience of, you know, recovery as well. Very similar to your story, Janet, you know, looked around and thought, you know, what's going on here? Where where do I go? You know, not quite, didn't quite fit in AA. Um, and, you know, really just grassroots approach, built up community um, starting in um, Brisbane and then expanded across. And, you know, when it got to Sydney, sort of picked me up. Um, and then Faye, um, you know, you know, got it to this really fantastic place. We became a registered charity here in Australia, across Australia. And now, you know, the sky's the limit. So as you heard, Andrew is great fun and he brings a much needed sense of humour into Soberland, which can be quite a serious place. I loved his sober joke. What was it again? How do you know if someone is sober? They'll tell you. <laughs> And in fact, Andrew recommends telling people. He says, get on the front foot, take charge, tell people in advance that you're a non-drinker. I like that. It's going to make us less defensive than being asked, why aren't you drinking? And of course, as we build up our sober time, we grow more confident. And just like Andrew's joke, we're very happy to tell anybody and everybody about it. You heard Andrew explain how he was still recovering from the trauma of coming out as gay and then he had to come out as a non-drinker. 
which was in fact much more difficult. If anyone had made homophobic remarks to him as a gay man, he always felt he had the weight of the community to support him. But when he would explain that he didn't drink, he was often met with astonishment and there was no support at all. He shared his story about being a binge drinker. His weekends would disappear as he was either wasted or sleeping. And gradually the drinking started creeping into the weekdays. He went through what he describes as a perfect storm a difficult breakup which triggered a serious depression. In spite of the storm, Andrew managed to hold it all together and he would set rules. He even took a month off the booze once, but then he would just go back to it harder than ever. We agreed that these traditionally sober months like dry January can sometimes be counterproductive. People tend to white-knuckle their way through them, There are a few real benefits and the subconscious mind just registers sobriety as a miserable place to live. I certainly used to do dry January every year, just to prove that I didn't have a problem. I did, of course. And just like Andrew, I would make up for lost drinking time the following month. With years of sobriety under our belts, we can now testify to the numerous benefits of not drinking But the thing is, you have to keep going longer than a month to experience them. So going back to Andrew's story, he started to work on his mental health. He went to a psychologist, but he refused to take the advice to stop drinking. He started taking antidepressants to cope. Of course, antidepressants and alcohol are not a great mix. And Andrew's drinking grew worse and he actually had a breakdown. Through sheer luck, he met a GP who got him into a programme. He did a home detox under supervision from a clinic, used medication to help him with the withdrawal symptoms and got through a couple of months of sobriety. He talked about how he felt after a few months of sobriety and it really struck me when he said that he felt okay sometimes instead of feeling dreadful all the time. I heard a lady in our community say that it was so nice to wake up in the morning feeling okay instead of terrible. It's amazing how we get used to feeling rubbish every morning and just kind of accept it. All because we just have to give in to that urge to drink that hits us during the day. So Andrew began to participate in sober online communities which he found really helpful for sharing tips and getting support. And then he saw an event put on by Intoxicated. He was very nervous about it, but he went along anyway. There were about 20 people there with nothing in common but their struggles with alcohol. That day he discovered that magic connection. He'd found his people. But like me, Andrew went through a bit of a low in early sobriety. He tried to hang out with the same people, but he just started getting bored. It was time to find new interests. He actually got into swimming and eventually got involved with Intoxicated until he ended up taking over as their CEO. So we've both discovered the joy of connection and helping other people to get sober. You can follow Andrew on Instagram and I know we've got some listeners in Australia. So why not go to the website which is intoxicated.com.au and check out the social events. I'll put all of those links into the show notes. So let me end with a member message from one of our chat rooms. In fact, I'm going to read you two very short ones from the very exclusive chat room that we have for people who've achieved six months or more of sobriety. So here's the first one. I'm reaping the benefits of my year's sobriety. I went out with the girls this evening. No one even asks anymore. It's just taken for granted that I'm not drinking. No pressure, no anxiety. Home early, cup of tea in bed. I'll be celebrating my son's 16th birthday tomorrow with no hangover. Sobriety really is a gift. That one was from Jenny B. So thank you, Jenny. Let's now go to Steph, who is in the US. Morning, tribe. Happy and just a bit stunned to join the six months plus crowd. Amid the shitstorm of erosion of rights for women and the environment and our safety in the US, I cling to pieces of good that I can control. Choosing not to drink is my number one. 
So grateful for support and tools from Tribe Sober. Just this morning, yoga with Tamsin helped to soothe and settle a challenging day, sending positive vibes to all. Well, thank you, Steph. And a little reminder for me to mention the fact that Tribe Sober members get online yoga with our South African yoga teacher. So that's it, guys. Please go to tribesober.com and take a look at our brand new kickstart course. It could be just what you need. I'll be back next week. And thanks so much for listening. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard. It takes courage and grit and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.